0: Welcome to episode four of the ID Corner podcast, where we talk about everything teaching and learning. Over the summer, I had the opportunity to attend the International Forum on Active Learning Classrooms held at the University of Minnesota. As a first time attender, it was an enriching time learning about current practice and an opportunity to meet others passionate about active learning. One of the contacts I made put me in contact with my guest for today, Dr. Kristen Shingler, who's a teaching specialist at the University of Minnesota School of Dentistry. So Kristen, can you please share for our listeners a little bit about your role in the School of Dentistry?
1: Sure. So um, I started in the School of Dentistry about three and a half years ago as a postdoc at first, and I was researching bacteriophage. Um, And through that, had the opportunity to start um, teaching in the microbiology and immunology course. I was specifically um, doing a component of the immunology then. Um, And from there, it just sort of grew. Um, And I'm at the point where I'm directing the microbiology and immunology course for the dental students, a similar course for the dental hygiene students, um, and I also direct a biochemistry course for the dental students. So I teach uh, quite a bit.
0: Awesome, thank you. Um, can you specifically describe the the course for which the this activity that we're going to talk about is for?
1: Yeah, so this um, this activity is a final project for the uh, microbiology and immunology course for the dental students um, so, the way um, I inherited the course was that it had um, four 50 point multiple choice exams um, and that was the grading system for it. Um, so there's about 110 students in the class. It's, it's a really big um, class, at least for what I'm used to. Um, and so getting those assessments um, graded quickly with feedback was a concern. I'm not the biggest fan of multiple choice exams, um, particularly basing an entire score off of that. So the first thing I did was to integrate some podcast assignments into it for a couple years um, where students listened to some Radiolab podcasts and talked about how scientific communication happened um, relating to topics. And from there, I decided that projects and different assignments like that where you um, students could really think about the content and apply it to different situations that could be relevant to their profession, gave me the biggest understanding of their understanding of the material I was presenting. So I moved the assessments for the course to one 50-point exam and everything else is project-based assessment.
0: Wow, wow, that's awesome. Um, so you've mentioned the assignment a little bit. Can you can you give us some detail about it?
1: Yeah, so um, I, I found this paper um, several years ago in the Journal of Microbiology and Bio- uh, Biology Education. It's an ASM publication where a, a professor had started having his students create murder scenes um, from an infection with a microorganism. And so students worked in groups to create these these murder scenes, essentially these homicide scenes and design different clues to point to the identity of the microorganism responsible. And then they went through and sort of solved all of these crime scenes. And I thought, wow, like what a great way for students to be exposed to a wider variety of microorganisms, get some practice comparing and contrasting features of bacteria and viruses and fungal pathogens, as well as parasites and to really hone in on some differential diagnosis um, skills that they need as practicing clinicians since my students are dentists. So I took that paper and used it as sort of, found of a foundation to, to design the final project for my course.
0: Okay, so, so this assignment as you've described it really meets some of the, the important course objectives that you've got for, for your students.
1: Yeah, and I think it's a a useful and sort of fun, low stress way to really get to those higher levels of Bloom taxonomy um, during assessment uh, without creating some really intricate problem for students to solve or some long, you know, essay to write or something like that. And there can be a, a group component and an individual component as well.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So I've kind of, the next question I had was why this type of assignment, um, which I think you've kind of been, <laughs> been, yeah. been answering. Um, I mean, anytime, anytime you can bring fun into it, I think it's a, it's a great thing. Um, how, how have students received this assignment, this, the group project? And I know from my experience, group projects are kind of like, I don't want to do a group project. So, so what's been your experience?
1: Yeah, so um, I've only done it one year so far, full disclosure, but it was much more successful than I anticipated. Um, So that was really, really great. I actually only had one student comment negatively on the group aspect. So one person said group projects are never a good idea, but that was the only negative feedback I got, which I was shocked. I expected a lot more pushback. One thing I did, I let the students choose their own groups Um, So I presented 11 different microorganisms that they could choose from and the class was divided in two. So the two groups worked on the same microorganism and they could sign up then based on, okay, the five of us want to work together or hey, I'm really interested in this microorganism, who else is interested in it? Um, So the groups formed in both of those ways, sort of organically. Um, we just used a live Google Doc uh, to do that. So it was kind of fun watching students edit
0: <laughs> sure, sure.
1: their groups and things in real time. Um, would
0: you do it the same way again? Just kind of let it happen organically?
1: You know, I think I would because it seemed to work. Um, I haven't asked students if they preferred forming their group first and then picking a microbe or just sort of signing up from a microbe and seeing who else was interested in that. Uh, But that would be some interesting sort of feedback to get. And then another thing I did to to really make sure that the groups were functioning well together for the group portion, because the group grade was worth about half of the project, was I incorporated self-evaluation and peer evaluation into it. And I was really careful with the peer evaluation chunk and I said, you know, you can earn up to five points and it's gonna be an average of the scores you get from your other group members. Um, And if your average score from the peer evaluations is under 2.5, so essentially 50%, you don't get peer evaluation points. So I made it sort of a, your group members have to be satisfied, reasonably satisfied with your contributions to earn those points. And everyone did earn them, but there was, you know, that range um, of evaluation points. So just sort of up the stakes on you need to be involved in this component.
0: Sure. And so that was five points out of their total score.
1: Yeah. um, And I think I can't actually remember off the top of my head. I believe the group component was worth 50.
0: Yes. Five points. um, And then... I think, yes, a total of 50. For the group. hmm
1: Yep, and then the, the individual component where they actually went through and solved crime scenes was also worth 50 points. So you could earn half of the points for the entire project on your own, which is another way to sort of alleviate those group work concerns.
0: Yes, yes. Um, so this is, a, in the context of the course, this is a final project. Yes. Um, what kinds of support or scaffolding did you provide the students before they get here, both in terms of the, the activity, the content itself, but then also the peer, the peer and group kind of dynamics things like, was it just, here you go or. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I, I made a document um, that sort of broke down, here's a group component of this and you earn your points um, in these ways. So the main thing, component of earning points in the group project were the clues that you provided in your crime scene. Um, So sort of building out the crime scene um, for your classmates to solve. The self and peer evaluation. And then you also had to provide the rest of the class with the information to solve the crime scene, right? Um, So you may, the groups made a little ID card that had things like symptomology of the organism, you know, whether it's a bacteria or a virus it's gram positive, gram negative, those types of informations, epidemiology, any vector associated with it, the sort of like critical pieces of knowledge. And then as sort of a fun creative bit, I had them create a, a mug shot for their, their uh, <laughs> perpetrator, if you will, as well. Um, so there was very clear point values associated with all of those. And I tried to provide a clear description about what you needed to do to get to those point values. And the independent part was a little easier because it's, it's solving the crime scene, right? You identify what the microorganism is that caused that crime scene and then give me a treatment option that's available um, in one way that that could have been prevented. So to bring in the treatment and prevention. Um, and I also showed them an example. So when we talked about it in class, I went through an example crime scene with them so they could have A general idea of what other people had done.
0: Awesome, awesome. What have you learned about student learning through this activity?
1: So in general I'm still working on that I guess is the best answer. I've actually um, started to do some research on this. Um, I just got you know the IRB approval for an exemption for education related material. Um, And I'm looking at the way this can, these sorts of projects can impact student retention of the general principles of microbiology. Um, So because I've taught this course before without the project, um, I have control groups, Mm. sort of one year post-class, two years post-class, and I just give them a short 10 question, multiple choice quiz about what I think are, you know, main concepts that I would like them to know long-term. Um, And then I'll do that with the groups that have done the crime scene project as a final project as well to see if it is enhancing their retention of the material.
0: That sounds really exciting.
1: Yeah. On a lesser scale, just sort of the comments from um, the course evals were pretty positive. A lot of students said that it was a fun way to learn. They said that they liked seeing how creative their classmates were, particularly when they're in other like rigorous, um, structured science courses, that doesn't that maybe don't give the outlet for creativity mm-hmm. as much. Um, so it gave them more of a glimpse into their classmates' personalities and interests. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a few comments that said, you know, you should keep this around. This mm-hmm. was really great, so that was nice.
0: Very cool. Um, and I guess the the last question that I've got for you related to this is: um, is there anything? that you would change. So you've, you've done this once. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you would change about the assignment and why?
1: Yeah, so I think I would shrink the group size, um, number one. So I had groups of four or five this time. And one comment that I got from a student would uh, kind of stuck with me. They said, you know, with a group of five, we each sort of picked a certain aspect of this microorganism to research and tackle. And I didn't really feel like I learned much about the microbe as a whole. Um, and so I think that limiting the group size, you would get more of an overview because you'd be more in tune with different components of it. And it would also give me the opportunity to increase the number of microorganisms in the project itself. Um, so we had 11 last year, which was a decent number, but I'd like to get in more that you know have Um, more closely related symptomology so it can be a little bit more difficult to discern them, right? So you have to pay attention to a little bit um, more. And I also wish that students incorporated more sort of diagnostic um, tests into their clues. Um, So I was hoping for, you know, here's a a PCR, uh, a gel from a PCR reaction or something along those lines Um, so I was thinking about scaffolding I want this many clues about symptoms a maximum of this many clues about epidemiology um, to really make it have more aspects of the disease represented in the crime scenes so those are the sort of two things that I I'm working on refining a little bit
0: that sounds very cool um, and I think as you're describing it, the, the changes, one, will make the, the exercise more, I mean, you mentioned more difficult, but at the same time, hopefully provide a greater opportunity to, for the students to learn more detailed information.
1: Um, Absolutely.
0: So thank you for sharing that. One thing that you mentioned earlier that kind of piqued my interest also is that you said, uh, you mentioned that you've done podcasting. Um, and I don't have any scripted questions about that, but I, I would be interested to hear how, when I think about biology, immunology, and podcasts, that they're not two things that I would immediately put together. And so that that sounds very interesting to me. Can right. you share a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Um, so I have always been a fan of the Radiolab podcasts. I think that they're very interesting and they're presented um, really well um, in an engaging way. And a lot of the topics of their podcasts have to do with microorganisms I talk about in microbiology, concepts I talk about in microbiology and immunology. Mm -hmm. Um, So the way that those assignments work is I pick five different Radiolab podcasts that relate to content we're talking about in class. Um, And students have to pick two out of the five to listen to throughout the semester. Um, So they have a a little bit of control um, to pick information that's most interesting to them. Um, or I think a lot of times it might boil down to, I don't have a lot else going on this week because <laughs> they can get sort of swamped with exams. Um, but that's that's fine too. Um, and what they do is they listen to it. And then I, I asked them to write just a short one to two page response to me about how did this podcast relate to content we covered in class? What did you like about how these scientific concepts were presented? Did you think that the podcast did a good job talking to um, a broad audience about these concepts? So, so people who might not have a strong biology background um, or, you know, other type of scientific background. And how do you envision using these sorts of communication methods with your patients in the future? Um, so mm-hmm. how can you use this as a springboard for talking about scientific concepts with your patient who's maybe an accountant um, or an electrician.
0: Okay, very cool. Have you ever, so you're having the students evaluate the podcasts? Um, Yeah. Okay. Have you considered having them create podcasts?
1: I have. um, And so right now I don't have an assignment where students specifically have to create a podcast. In the biochemistry course I direct, their final project is to choose a disease that affects the sort of craniofacial region and explain the biological basis of that disease and its diagnosis and treatment to a patient in a way that most patients can understand. And I let the medium of that be wide open. So I have had students submit podcasts to me um, through that assignment. Um, And they're just always really fantastic uh they name them really quirky um sort of punny things some of them even pick their own introduction music i had one student who interviewed his brother as a guest on the podcast for his final assignment so those are those go well um i just haven't dreamed up um a project yet where only podcasts should be submitted
0: sure sure how have you thought about, and how do you go about assessing? So, if there's if there's an option for a podcast or whatever, how does how does the assessment of that differ from an exam or a paper, or like how have you how have you worked that into into that?
1: Right. Um, so, for that particular project, um, everyone is submitting some sort of information piece. Um, so I've had everything from the podcast to children's books to pamphlets you would pick up um, at a doctor's office to a, you know, a recorded PowerPoint presentation. Someone did a YouTube video. And so I take I try and take the creativity out of it as much as possible, because those sorts of projects always intimidated me when I was in school. I don't think of myself as a particularly creative person. Um, I have like zero drawing abilities. <laughs> um, so what I do is I, I make, you know, really detailed rubrics about this is what I want you to tell me about the biological basis of the disease. This is what I want you to tell me about the treatment of the disease. This is what I want you to tell me about the diagnosis. And so the point values are for the science itself, um, for the... the- um, like sound information and then a point value for did you communicate this to a broad audience, right? So if you're trying to talk to a kid about cavities, is this accessible for someone who's 10 years old? Or if you're trying to talk about, you know, oropharyngeal cancer, are you talking to someone who's an electrician in a way that they understand and don't feel overwhelmed about it? Um, So the medium is is left to the students to show their creativity, and they're not judged or graded mm. on that component.
0: Awesome, thank you. You really highlighted how the objectives, the the things that you want the students to demonstrate, really are key, and that the the medium isn't as important in that in that
1: regard. Exactly, and that can um, I think increase the fun of the project and decrease the stress as well. Um, And that's, you know, a big thing that I want to do um, is allow students to communicate to me how they've learned and progressed throughout the semester in a way that they're comfortable with. Um, Because most people just aren't comfortable with exams, right, they're high stress environments. Um, So if you can do it in a fun way, why not? And they're fun for me to grade.
0: Right, yes, not a catalog or a stack of
1: <laughs> yeah, or just papers to read, scantron sheets or whatever. Right, it's um really get a, a sense of the personality of each student, and I feel more connected to my classes after these projects.
0: I, th- I think that would uh, resonate with a lot of, a lot of people. You know, we're we're always talking about sense of belonging and student engagement and retention and and all of those things, but. Um, I think what it comes down to is that, that connection between the the instructor and the student. You hit the nail on the head, so thank you. <laughs>
1: yeah, of course.
0: Well, um, I really wanna thank you for your time and your willingness to and be interviewed and um, it was awesome to be able to talk with you today. So we're gonna take a quick break and then I'll be right back to share some closing thoughts about the interview. Welcome back. I think that there are three key ideas that we can take away from Kristen's example. First, learning objectives are key. All of the work that students did was informed by the learning goals that Kristen set for her class. Kristen had a clear idea about the skills she wanted the students to develop and then identified an activity to meet those goals. Second, the medium doesn't matter. The creative media forms that students used to complete projects were secondary to the objectives and skills that the students were working toward. Not requiring a specific format or medium provides choice for the students in representing what they know. Lastly, the option for creativity benefited both student and teacher. The students were able to participate in a fun activity. They were able to bring more of their authentic selves into the project. The creativity also benefited the teacher in not having to grade lengthy papers or exams. I hope that this interview has inspired you to consider a project-based approach in your teaching. I hope to have Kristen back in the future to discuss the results of her research on the effects of her project-based approach. My guess is that her students will retain the information better through the project versus exams. Thank you for listening. If you do not already, please subscribe to the podcast. The ID Corner podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, and Spotify. Notes, resources, and episode transcripts are also available on my blog at staff.lawrence.edu/rexj. Have a great day.